CommercialAppeal.com. Featuring the Tiger Basketball Podcast, the Grizzlies Podcast, Chris Harrington's Pick and Popcast, the Tiger Football Podcast, plus interviews with newsmakers. Exclusively at CommercialAppeal.com. The following is a CA original. Really plays with our football team. Gets to the outside, Cuts. gets inside the five. He gallops into the end zone. Touchdown, Tigers. Really capitalized on a lot of opportunities throughout the game, having four takeaways. Picked off at the 30. Down go. the right sideline to the 20, to the 10. It's a pick six. Challenge them about uh, coming out and playing a complete line, game. And he's got it for a touchdown, and it's 41 to 3. That's his first rushing touchdown. This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Tom Shad, Jeff Calkins, and Phil Stukenborg. All right. What's up, y'all? Football is back this week, Thursday, the first practice session spring ball at the University of Memphis. So we are back as well. Jeff Calkins, Phil Stukenborg, alongside us in the studio today. Um, I don't know if I would characterize it as a busy offseason, but there have been some some newsworthy things that have come out, and we and we haven't kind of dug into all of them we had a podcast I think after signing day where we really just honed in on the recruiting class and what had happened there but some other things you know that have happened over the past couple months in, in the world of Memphis football you had Chip Long offensive coordinator leaving for for Notre Dame um, Daryl Dickey and, and Kenny Dillingham promoted from within to kind of fill that spot um, the recruiting class obviously was the big one one of the top I think they finished number two uh, at least according to 247 in terms of group of five schools in the recruiting rankings um, and then the recent news uh, in the past couple weeks um, that football revenues have surpassed men's basketball revenues. And obviously, football is still operating at a deficit. You know, they're still losing money. Basketball is losing money. But the fact that football is now bringing in more money, at least during the, the 2016 fiscal year, somewhat newsworthy. So um, I guess the first question I had just before we dive into spring ball and all the storylines there is, is what was the biggest news um, in your opinion I guess over the past couple months in, in Memphis football, what was what was the biggest deal of, of some of those things that have that have happened? Uh, I'd like to get into what the hell happened in that bowl game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it is it is nice how the off season wipes away like that. Like that, right. we just wipes away the memory of that was because that was not a great ending. It was sure, but when people started to argue with me about it was a hell of a first year. It was a hell of a first year, and when I look back at it, to me. Uh, I mean, Anthony Miller was just, you know, and the, the idea that we're going to have Anthony Miller back another year is just a, is, is, is a blast, you know, is just, that was, you, you that know, was more news. Yep. That was um, one. And then, and, and there was no news around this, but that Riley Ferguson had the year that he had and that he's coming back, I think to me shapes in terms of the football, in terms of the football stuff shapes heading into this year, um, I think gives the 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 spring promise and and everything else. I think there's I think there's excitement about it and should be excitement about it. And a lot of it is based on those two. Um, I mean, Anthony Miller is a star, and Riley Ferguson, you know, could well be a star. And the, I don't know if the schedule does the schedule also come out since then. Like yeah, the schedule the came schedule out came month. out since yeah. then. Yeah. To me, the idea that UCLA and we knew UCLA was going to be coming, right? But you could have two of the top quarterbacks in the country playing at the Liberty Bowl. Um, you know, UCLA's may be the number one, not probably the number one pick, but it could be a top ten pick in the draft. Sure. Um, and Riley Ferguson, and so to me, what's always interesting is 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 that 
how much people now look forward to Memphis football and the extent to which that has changed and the extent to which we're having this podcast on this week and people are, and some of that is a reflection of the misery of, of basketball. Right. But I think some of it, even if basketball were cranking along, it's a revelation that Memphis football means as much and is that people are excited about it and everything else. And I, so we can talk about what that means in terms of the, in, in terms of the um, budget and indoor practice facility and get into all these other things. But I am always struck by um, just the enthu- the continuing level of enthusiasm. I don't know that that's news, but that's what strikes me about Memphis football, Phil. Yeah, you know, the enthusiasm was there when, uh, you know, even when they were struggling, but to see it at, at this level. And I'll go back to, we, we've talked about the, the construction of Tiger Lane and, and kind of how that added to the whole atmosphere of Tiger football. And then to see the success they've had over the last few years um, from what Paxton Lynch has done to moving into this group with Norvell and, and Riley Ferguson. But going back to your revelation with the, uh, with the numbers on football, Tiger football, I mean, there, that, that was, that was a, a remarkable uh, kind of change of, of pace because there were, there were days back, I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago where, where the basketball program was basically finishing two million in the black and 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 covering football's uh, deficit back then. So as recently as five years ago. So I just I basically got the reports that Memphis sends the NCAA over the past five years. As recently as five years ago, they were still the basketball program was pulling in one point eight or one point five million or something in, in the that black. range in, in, in the, the black. black. Yeah, Make, making money, and now they're five million. Well, that, the, and that's it's red. it's been a good news, bad news. The, the the fact that football makes more than basketball is. Bad news, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's it's great for football, but it's bad news, and it's reflective of what's happened in the basketball program, which is a podcast for another day. Um, um, I it is to me, it's amazing. Well, first of all, we we know that the year that you wrote about was a year was was not last year's season; it was the previous season because the fiscal year trails, right? Right. So, right. We know that revenues, because David Reda said so, and. In a, in a Q&A with me, we're down a little bit from that last year, largely because there was no Ole Miss game and there was no Navy game last year, with both of which drew big crowds. This year, Navy's here, right? Isn't Navy's Navy's here, here and UCLA. UCLA's here, and so that should be back. To me, it's also striking. So all great news. All that stuff's great news. They're still losing, what, $8 bucks? Yeah. It is interesting, isn't it, that like, I th- there is no way out of losing money for football Unless, and we don't even really talk about this anymore, the magical get into you know get into a Power Five conference. Otherwise, that is a, don't you is that a permanent state of affairs that you will lose money on football and significant money on football unless that miraculous thing that probably won't happen happens. Well, I the caveat to that I would say yes. The caveat is if you're able to bring in more money through a media through a, through a new TV deal. I mean that's what's really hindering. You know, you look at all these school SEC. You know, their media payout is what, 30, 40, 40 million. 40 now. Yeah. That covers your football because the cost of running a football program, I mean, is exorbitant, but it's pretty much the same across the board. You know, you have right. to buy the helmets, you have to pay for travel, everything. You got to pay scholarships for everybody. You got to pay, pay for scholarships, right? Right. And so that the cost there at an Alabama versus a Memphis is not extraordinarily different. Uh, the difference is in how much money you're bringing in primarily through, I mean, through contributions and donations and all that stuff, but primarily through a TV deal. So even if you were to, having looked at the numbers, even if you were, you know, the AAC to, to double, um, say what they're making, I think they, their payout for last fiscal year was like 3 million or something. Even if you were able to get 6 million per school, 
I mean, that that makes such a huge difference across. Which yeah, is what they're doing now. They're, renego- they're starting to renegotiate that television contract. And then long term, you can look at a situation where who knows? It may just the, the way that games are consumed will change. It may not always be television contract. You know, th- it, right. that's one of the sort of distant hopes that, that all of that will change. That it'll be streaming or it'll be on, you know, what uh, di- different devices. And, and maybe it, it won't be a world where. If you happen to be in the SEC through accident of history, which is largely what it is, um, you get a forty million dollar check, and if you happen to not be in the SEC through accident of history, you get a three million dollar check, which is scandalous. It's ridiculous that 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 universe exists, but that's where we are. Yeah, and it's and it's tough again looking at the numbers to see new revenue channels for especially the football pro. I mean, when you look at twenty fifteen and the the ticket revenues and the crowds that they were able to draw. And the donations that they were able to bring in, every everything's pretty much tapped out. I mean, you can, you can try to get some more donations. You can try to well, they've changed the, increase they've prices. They've changed the pricing structure. Right. What did we think of that? What right. do we think of? I mean, not it's the right time. I mean, if you're going to do something, and they you know they tried it years ago. You remember the the travesty of several years ago? Right. <laughs> was it during the Seat Porter era or something? During the Porter do, yeah, era, during the Larry Porter yeah, era. Like, so, so this is obviously RC much better. rolled out the old <laughs> seat licenses for the Larry Porter football. Holy cow! That was as good as the aluminum <laughs> seats that they put in that they had to tear out a month later. Remember that? Because yeah, yeah, they obstructed people's views. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, it is the right time. Yeah. And I didn't hear much squawking about it. Did you? I was I was actually really surprised. Uh, I thought there was going to be quite a bit more more squawking. But as long as the product, the most popular right. fan response that I got is, if the product's good, I'll pay for it. You know, I think that's going to be an issue. If, if, if Memphis wins seven games or six games or something this year, then you're going to have more squawking. You know, th- then you're not going to be able to race. But I think the market's become accustomed to that too. I think through through the Grizzlies pricing and, and through basketball through the years, and now um, even paying twenty bucks to park downtown. I mean, people have gotten used to certain things that they would have never paid for. You know, fifteen twenty years ago. The the one thing that I wanted to talk, kind of shifting gears, uh, that happened this off season was being able to retain coaches. And I don't think we've talked about this in a podcast setting, but uh, David Johnson. Um, you know, was pursued by LSU. They had a they needed a wide receivers coach. They pursued him, turned him down. Um, a couple other assistants, uh, Ryan Silverfield and Marcus Woodson, were pursued by by SEC schools. Um, didn't work out. We don't know the specifics of of how much money was offered or, or if there an offer was made. But but it, it is kind of a new era where you know Mike Norvell has this this big year and he does lose his offensive coordinator to Notre Dame, but he's able to retain most of his staff and I think that's one of the biggest challenges when you're a young coach is is keeping if you find a good a finding a good staff and then b retaining a good staff and I don't think that we've talked or our fans are really talking a lot about the fact that the coaching staff is mostly intact but I do think that's a huge storyline and and the fact that you know they promoted from within you know that that Kenny Dillingham now has more responsibility that that uh, Daryl Dickey is now going to be you know calling the plays but there's a lot of continuity there and I think that's something that, you know, across college football, there's so much turnover and so much job hopping. Being able to keep a staff that, you know, for Mike Norvell that he's comfortable with and, and confident in, I think is huge. And I think it speaks to Mike Norvell and kind of the confidence that those assistants have in him and where he's going. That's where I was going with it. The same thing happened with Justin Fuente. I, I think that that staff recognized that they had a, someone that was going to be a star in the business. So they said, you know what, I can I can leave and go here or I can stay with this guy who's going to get some job that's going to, you know, he'll be there for four or five years, like like Justin will be at Virginia Tech, if not right. longer. Right. 
Well, no, that's exactly it. It's 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 sort of an ominous like it's the it's it's a good part and the bad part of it. Um, the good part is, I mean, let's be honest. He's a Mike Norvell is a dynamic personality who you can imagine people would be drawn to both recruits staff whatever like when i went to and i don't know if they're going to do it again if they do y'all should go this summer when they do it when they do the they invite the, the, i think they had a women's oh they've had them the, for the, the women's yeah and yep. it was just like a black like the the staff the staff meet where they're showing film and they're serving wine and whatever else like it is a lively engaged funny group of people who you can sort of fit that mike norvell you know aggressive group and so i think he is a little bit of a pied piper for that kind of um for that kind of coach who who, but then you're exactly right the reason you don't leave is you make an analysis at the beginning of the year i can go to whatever let's just say let's just pretend you were going to go you were offered a job at tennessee Right. You're an assistant. You're offered a job at Tennessee. I don't know where Ryan Silverfield was offered jobs, but let's just pretend that Tennessee offered you a job. Well, why the hell would you go there? Butch Jones was going to get fired, probably, maybe. Right. Whatever. And then meanwhile, Mike Norvell likely or at least possibility, certainly in the next two years, he's going to get some big gig somewhere where your wide receiver position or your offensive line position is going to pay you six hundred thousand dollars. And then you're trying to go back and join him. And you've gotten just gotten fired at Tennessee. Stay with the rocket ship that is, you know, just preparing to launch. Why would you get off? And I think that's what you're seeing here. Something that maybe wouldn't have happened in the past, though. I think that uh, that speaks to. Yeah, Yeah, especially especially here. But um, diving into spring ball. So their first practice is Thursday. They're basically going to go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. For the next month, they got their spring game coming up on on Friday, April fourteenth. Um, I came up with some storylines on commercialpeel.com uh, on Monday. Uh, some of the things that just stood out to me: the, the biggest one, obviously, is the secondary. And I know that we talked about the secondary last year, and we're going to keep talking about the secondary until we see that they can play and, and they are able to sustain, um, you know, take take some hits and respond accordingly. But that's a big one. The back of quarterback battle is a big one, at least in my mind. You got Brady Davis coming back from from his knee injury, um, presumably healthy, and David Moore now um, with a redshirt year behind him, competing for that job. Um, and then some of the redshirt freshmen coming along. Um, Josh Perry continues to be a guy that could step into a big role. Tim Hart, um, local kid from from MUS, could see some playing time. Um, th- those were some of the ones that stuck out to me. But I'm curious, what what are you guys most excited about? And Jeff, I know that you you mentioned Anthony Miller and kind of seeing his his continued development with Riley there but what what are you guys most excited to see I guess through spring brawl and, and kind of as we enter another season here well you know the the backup quarterback battle is always one that's fun especially during the spring I mean I've, I've seen it through the years uh, I want to think Fuente's first year it was uh, we saw Jacob Karam kind of coming of age and taking over for uh, a left-handed quarterback from uh, from Arkansas and and so what happened there is is you, you saw this this guy kind of take command of the team with a with a backup. I think this will be interesting because, and and David Moore is is a Norvell recruit, right? And you got Brady Davis who was part of Fuente's regime, and just mm-hmm. to see how those two, how those kind of you know battle it out here behind, uh, you know, behind Riley Ferguson. I think um, I'll be interested in that. I guess I just assume David Moore is going to end up winning that job because yeah. he's mobile and he you know. But but I, I'll be interested because yeah. part of the deal there is is as as Tom pointed out in the, in the piece that he wrote. It's not just who's going to be the backup. It's it's will who's going to emerge as the ultimate mm-hmm. starter 
And is either of them capable? Let's be honest. We don't know yet. Is either of them capable of being the starter? Uh, you know, once Riley, once Riley um, moves on. And so that that's an interesting question. I'm very interested in, we can talk about the defense in a second. I'm very interested in whether Jackson Dillon will be back. Do we know? I, I mean, I love Jackson Dillon. I loved him as a player because yeah. he was just this sort of unruly force, right? And then I loved him off the field because he was just this unruly, unruly force. force. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I guess I assumed his role had been reduced anyway. It felt like he wasn't, you know, I don't know how much of that was injury related. He was, a, he had that, a little bit of a loose cannon, which I don't think coaches can like with the quote about Ole Miss. But I personally root for Jackson Dillon. So I would love it if Jackson Dillon would be back healthy and impactful. Um, Sam Kraft is another one. Mm-hmm. And to me, the interesting question there is what's going to happen in the backfield? Like, um, where are the carries going to go? They have a lot of weapons. I would like to see more of Tony Pollard this year. I mean, he's just like that guy. Every time the ball was in his hands, we know about the kickoff stuff, but just so explosive. So the way that they, um, the way that they will use their their weapons, the new receiver from LSU, Demonte Cox. Yeah, I'm, glad, Cox. I'm like, glad we're talking like, about him. Like they they have, even though they have Anthony Miller coming back and Riley Ferguson coming back. They also have a hell of a lot of other weapons, which will just be interesting to see how they fit them in or take full advantage of them. Right. So your losses, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you're talking about Chris Roberson on the offensive line, gone. Daniel Montiel, which could prove to be a bit, I mean, he was terrific in his first year as a starter last year. And then Daniel Hurd, who was your your third or fourth wide receiver. And pretty much everybody else besides those three is coming back that played a significant role. So it is going to be interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see how they, especially in the backfield, how they kind of all jockey for carries. Because we haven't even talked about Daryl Henderson, you know, who's who's arguably one of their biggest big play threats. Dorland Dorsius is entering his last year of eligibility, um, and has obviously grown over his time here. So all of that is going to be is going to be really interesting. I, I did want to go back and, and talk about Damani Coxie because I I've, I've been trying to mention him as much as I could, but he was a guy that came in really late last year um, and was an LSU signee, um, had some academic issues and was an academic redshirt this past year. Um, but he's a guy that fans are, are really going to be excited about, I think, and, and the kind of receiver that Memphis hasn't seen in a while. You know, the kind of 6'3", 180, 185, super athletic. Um, and I don't know where he's going to fit or if he could fit, but in, in, from what I saw in practice, um, last fall, I mean, he's definitely a guy that that Memphis fans are going to get to know and, and get to know pretty quickly. Um, to me, the 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 other part of this, it's not nearly as glamorous. Um, is let's be honest, going back to that bowl game and going back to all last year, mm-hmm. they weren't very good up front on either side of the ball. No, oh. honestly, like that to me is the was and in retrospect, when you saw how they were manhandled in the bowl game. It made me think, my God, how did they win as many games as they did? And it really goes back to Riley Ferguson and Anthony Miller and like what they were, the big plays they were able to accomplish. Because Riley Ferguson was running for his life half the time. They couldn't always run the ball effectively. And defensively, they just got run over half the time. And so I'll be interested to see is there a reason for optimism, Tom, that on either side of the line, that they will be significantly better than last year? The offensive line, we're going to have to wait until the fall because they're going to have a couple guys coming in in the fall that could that could help them. You know, obviously Obina Easy, who, who might take a little bit of time to develop, but the other high school kid coming in, Mikhail Hill, could come in and play right away. Tannis Joseph, a, a JUCO kid who they really like, 
So the offensive line, we're going to have to wait and see. The defensive line, I mean, who knows? And that's kind of, if you're, if you're talking about areas of concern, it's the secondary and it's the defensive line because the defensive line is pretty much returning. I mean, you lose Latarius Brady and, and Donald Pennington. But other than that, you have basically the same group of guys. And, and they haven't shown a lot of growth over the past couple of years. You know, Ernest Suttles, uh, Christian Johnson, guys like that have, have been steady players, but they haven't been as disruptive as, as they need to be on the defensive side of the ball. And and they haven't made a lot of big additions there. They're bringing in Desmond Hawkins, who's a Juco guy, you know, um, a, a local kid. Um, and then you've got guys like John Tate, who's who's going to be a redshirt freshman, who's a really highly rated recruit, but but might need a little bit more time to get up to speed. So that's if you're talking about areas of concern, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see in spring if they look uh, worlds better than they did last year. But that's that's one of those situations. The offensive line, you have some new guys coming in that could maybe spark it. Defensive line, you don't have as many new pieces that could come in and make an impact, and so it's just going to be those guys needing to develop, and that is a big thing, especially when you're talking about the secondary, too. I mean, the secondary and the pass rush. But at least for the secondary, like, first of all, let's not overstate it. The defense wasn't great, period, last year. No. You know, you're not you're not replacing an all-world. All I mean, Arthur Mollette is, you know, has been invited to the combine. He's a good player, whatever else. Um, but but probably, I don't know, I hope he gets drafted, but it seems unlikely to get drafted with the, the right. 40 that he ran. Um, at least there you've got names, right? I mean, we know Jonathan Cook is really good. Right. And then you've got the two junior college kids from Oklahoma who are going to be coming in. It feels like at least there's things I don't, obviously haven't seen these kids play, but at least there's hope. Like there's there's people who I can tie my, if these guys, new guys are good, the secondary could conceivably be better. Whereas it's harder for me to talk myself into that. I, I I think about John Tate and and you know he's sort of my hope for the defensive line, but I, I, there's a chance the secondary could be good, right? There's a chance. I it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of gel together because that was the one thing that you saw from 15 to 16. I mean, you were right. The sec, like the defense was not very good last year. Okay. But the secondary looked way more cohesive. There were yes. way fewer blown, blown coverages. Co- yeah. I mean, in 2015, they looked like a group that was playing together for the first time and right. just had no idea where each other, where everybody else was going to be. Last year, you at least saw that, you know, Chris Morley had played alongside, you know, Chauncey Lanier and he knew what he was going to do. And, and Arthur Mollette, you know, they, they just had, they were communicating right. better. And I think that was the product of experience. Who knows what that's going to be this year and who knows what they're going to do at that other safety spot. You know, you've got Jonathan Cook, you've got the Juco corners that you can presumably slide in, but, you know, is Josh Perry going to get that other spot? Are they going to go with another young guy? Are they going to move a guy like Sean Rupert, who was a Missouri transfer who played some last year? Is he going to win that spot? And then and then what are you going to do in the in the reserves? And that's one of the other things, you know, we talk about Arthur Mollette, but they had Chauncey Lanier, uh, Jamal Pardner, who was a, a grad transfer, and then Dontrell Nelson. They had experience kind of across the board. Um and they don't have any of that this year. So you're pressing some young guys into into service here pretty early, and it's just it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. There's more hope, sure, um, but also uncertainty. But and you're going to have to stitch it together mighty quick, right? And there's a kicker to be replaced. There is a kicker to be replaced, and that's the other just just in terms of like operation. Who's going to be kicking? Like I assume Spencer Smith because he he actually came to Memphis as a kicker, but they don't have a kicker this spring. <laughs> Right, like and, and, and Riley right. Patterson, their recruit, is going to come in in the fall. So it'll be interesting just to see how they handle the kicking game in, in general and replacing the long snapper, Trevor Morgan, which we, we don't talk about a lot, but four-year starter at long snapper, that's that's another hole to fill. So it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. We will be keeping tabs um, 
on it over the next month. Again, about three practices a week. We will get to talk with Mike Norvell and the coaching staff here tomorrow. Spring ball officially starts on Thursday. And we'll be back in studio for a podcast next Monday. Thanks, as always, for listening. We will talk to you later. Take the CA wherever you go. Download the Commercial Appeal app on your smartphone or tablet and get push alerts when breaking news happens. It's a free download for your iPhone and iPad in the Apple App Store and in the Google Play Store for your Android device. This is the Commercial Appeal.